Amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bible, if you would take that out, please. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 is where we will be at for a few moments. I want to share a message with you this morning entitled, The Immeasurable God, My God is Able. And this morning we are going to look at a beautiful prayer from the Apostle Paul for the Christians and church in the city of Ephesus. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14, and if you will stand in the honor of reading of God's word as we read this scripture together. Ephesians three fourteen starts off, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family and in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we um, pray this morning that you would guide and direct our time in your word. As Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, we pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts that we may see and know you better. We pray that this is a Holy Spirit-led message and a Holy Spirit-led and received message into the hearts of your people. So we say, Lord, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Measurements, what are they and why are they needed? When we think about measurements and what they are, we realize that from a very early age that we were taught measurements. Think about it for a moment. Early on in our years, we were taught to count, to use rulers, charts, graphs, calculators, and more. Early on, we were taught to stay within the, the coloring lines and to get as close as you can, but not go very go out of it. I wasn't very good at that. I always went outside of the lines coloring. But we were taught about measured areas. The definition of measurements is the size, length, or amount of something as established by measuring. When something is measured, it is to know the exact size of whatever it may be. When measuring, you want the exact measurements because you need to know the exact size, amount, calculations of whatever it may be. We measure things because we want to figure something out. You know, there are all types of things used daily for measuring things. For instance, yardsticks and rulers and measuring tapes, measuring spoons, thermometers, scales, clocks, graphs, gauges, and more. Measurements are necessary in all kinds of ways for daily life. Now, one thing that I have never been good at over the years, especially in my 20s and 30s, was measuring things out. I was kind of the one who would eyeball that out to get the measurement. I don't know if you've ever been there, if there are anybody here in the house this morning, but I would take the eyeball measurements. And probably, maybe for some of you like me, I used phrases like, well, it looks close to that, or that's close enough, or I, I think that's about the size. looks good to me. In all reality, I just wasn't good at measurements. When I was coming up through my 20s and 30s, when I had to use a measuring tape to measure out something, I was really, really bad at um, reading the measurements. 
And so if it was 11 inches and um, to the third little dash, black dash, I would say it's uh, 11 inches and one, two, three, three uh, dashes, and that's the measurement. Cut that. I couldn't read them. I didn't know it. And so I, was, I just struggled with that. So I wasn't very good at measuring things out. I've gotten a lot better since then. But from many years, I wasn't good at it. See, I pastored for a long time. I just needed to know how many people were in the pew and how much we needed had in the bank. And so, you know, I wasn't good at all kinds of calculations. A few years ago, I was uh, putting a new floor in our home in the kitchen area. And um, as I was putting our floor in, I knew that I needed to have the exact measurements of the floor and cutting the pieces of wood because if I was off on the measurements, that was going to cost me more money because I was going to have to buy more wood for the floor. And so I knew that I needed exact measurements. Even if I was counting 11 inches and one, two, three dashes, that's the measurement. I needed to be right on with that. Having the right or exact measurements is necessary to have the right fit, the exact size that you need, and the right amount or precise weight of something. All of us, if you think about it, are, uh, use measurements in different ways. And for a moment, let me talk about two types of people in our world today. Um, and you probably can relate to one of these type of people. One, we have very calculated people. And two, we have very uncalculated people in our world. Here's what I mean by that. First of all, um, have you ever known someone, and this very possibly might be you, who is a very calculated or measured out person? They're the type of people who have everything or many things measured out or pre-planned as best as possible. And these are the people who are going to stay within the coloring lines of life. Um, and if they, things go outside the coloring lines of life, it's just going to drive them crazy. Anybody here would like that? You can admit it. I'm one. And so I like to have things calculated, planned out. And if it kind of goes outside that measured area, that throws me off a little bit. There are also people who are uncalculated. These are the type of people who just kind of go along as the wind blows, and they're the type of people who will say, oh, we'll just figure it out. Now, for us calculated people, you are not helping us out whatsoever. We, and if, you, if you're in a relationship or know somebody like that, if it's at home, at work, or whatever, and you got those two clashing, it's kind of like us calculated people are saying, looking at the uncalculated people saying, you got to figure it out. And the calculated, uncalculated people are saying, would y'all just relax? It's going to be okay. And all the whole time, it's just a struggle. So you have measured people and unmeasured people. Measurements are a big part of life and are needed for so many things. This morning, where we're going to land at is as we look at our God and this prayer from the Apostle Paul, we're going to look at how our God is the immeasurable God. When we look at this prayer from the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 about our God, I call him the immeasurable God. I believe that in this scripture and other scriptures throughout the Bible, that there are certain things about God that cannot be measured out. There are no designated measurements for so much of the Lord, and he is not confined to a measured area. You know, in life, there are a lot of times where we think we have God figured out. And where we put God in this little measured, neat area, and, and that's where we have him as if we have God and his totality figured out. But this morning, I want you to know we don't. He's this God who's immeasurable, and we'll look at that in just a moment. 
But before we look at those, let me share with you two things. If you want God to be measured out or this God who is knowable in certain ways, let me share with you two ways that we can know God or measure him in these ways. And the first one is very simply, the Lord is unchanging. You know, the scriptures are very clear on the unchanging nature of God. This is what we call in theology the immutability of God. And if there's something that you can measure out about the Lord, it is the fact that he is unchanging in who he is and what he has said. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says, I the Lord do not change. Psalm 33 verse 11 says, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Then a very famous verse in the Bible is Hebrews 13 verse 8, which says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Scripture declares that the Lord is unchanging. The God he is, is the God he has been and will be forever. So if you want to measure something out about our God, it is the fact that he is unchanging. Amen? That should give you peace in and of that. Secondly, a knowable or a measurable about God, it is that the Lord cannot lie. If there is anything or another thing that we can measure out about God, according to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, is that God can't lie. And in Hebrews 6, 18, it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. With what God has declared in his word and what God has said to you personally, um, God cannot lie and he will never change his mind. And so with what God speaks, the truth of his word, the promises from God will always come to be because God cannot lie. We have a God of truth. And we know according to John chapter 8 that his truth sets us free. And so if you want to measure God out or have a knowable about God, it is that God cannot change and that God cannot lie. Those are two knowables about God. But let me just say for just a moment that as we look at this prayer of the Apostle Paul from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, and with what Scripture declares about our God, I believe that our God in so many ways is immeasurable. And right when you think you have exhausted certain things of God, we probably have not even begun to scratch the surface of who our God is, because our God in so many ways and in so many things is immeasurable. So let me share with you some things that we cannot measure out about God. Number one, you cannot measure the love of God. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, Paul, as a part of his prayer for the Christians in Ephesus, prays that they would be able to grasp and know the love of Christ. Look at those verses for a moment. Ephesians 3, 17 and following. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When you look at Paul's wording here, at first it seems that he is putting limits or measurements on the love of God. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to grasp how wide and long and how deep and how high is the love of Christ. But then Paul tells them that this love of God, this love of Christ is a love that surpasses knowledge. Paul absolutely wants them to know about the love of God. Paul wants them to know about God's affection. 
And Paul wants them to grab a hold of it. But as well, Paul wants them to know that right when you think you have reached the limit of God's love and knowing God's love, but it's bigger and bigger and bigger because it surpasses knowledge because the love of God is immeasurable. You see, we will not be able to grasp the measurements of God's love because God's love is without measurements. There are no measurements that can measure out the love of God in its totality for you and for me because the love and affection of the Lord for us is beyond measures it's beyond theories and knowledge that is why it is the agape love of God the agape love of God is a love that is unconditional and without limits and listen praise God for his agape love amen Psalm 103 verse 11 and 12 says for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. For all of us, sometimes it's hard for us to grasp, hard for us to grasp that the Lord would love us without conditions and without limits. And if we're honest, you maybe have been at this point before where you feel like you have exhausted the love of God. Because of your failures, because of your mistakes, mess-ups, and sins, you feel like at some point in time you've reached the limit of God's affection and love for you. But my friend, can I tell you this morning, you have never reached the limit of God's affection and love for you. You can't get there. You see, God's love is wide enough to include every person. And God's love is long enough to last throughout all eternity. And God's love is deep enough to reach the worstest of sinners. And Paul said, and another, did I have Davism there? Did I say worstest? Oh, man, I was really trying to avoid Davisms today. Look, do not write that one down. Y'all said y'all were going to write, don't write that down. The worst of sinners and God's loves. I really tried to avoid it, man. All right. I guess. I don't only get to preach once a year, so just write it down. God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. The Apostle Paul said that he was the chiefest of sinners, or the worstest, whatever. We're in Polk County, it don't matter. God's love is incredible. The Bible describes God's love in the following ways. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for you. Romans 5.8 says that he demonstrated his love out on your behalf. Ephesians 2.4 says, but because of his great love for us. 1 John 3.1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be children of God. And this is what we are. Psalm 136.1, his love endures forever. My friends, listen to me this morning. If you have ever felt like you are at the end of God's love and the limit of God's love, you've never gotten there. The devil may say that you have, and and this world may say that you have, but Scripture declares differently because the love of God is immeasurable. It surpasses understanding. And right when you think you've gotten to the limit of it, it's going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Because hear me this morning, God loves you, and he demonstrated and acted out that love on your behalf. So the love of God cannot be measured out. Secondly, you cannot measure the power of God. This morning, as we look at some of these immeasurables of our God, we need to understand that the power of God is immeasurable. 
when we come to understand who God is and what he is about, the Bible says that our God is omnipotent, meaning that he is all-powerful, or as one definition says about our God, that he is able to do anything. You know, our God is all-powerful. It's incredible to think about the power of the God that we believe in. There is nothing in this world that can compare with the power of God for us. There is no power source, not even the atomic bomb, that would be able to compare as being as powerful as our God. There's nothing that can move in your life as power as much as the power of God. One writer said these following words, I just love this. He said, the power of God has not in the least bit been diminished over the past 2,000 years. Our Lord still sits on his great throne and his train still fills the temple. He still walks on the wings of the wind. He still rides on the backs of the mighty cherubim. And he still is the triumphant champion of Calvary. All hell still bends to his will, and sin and death have lost their hold on all who rest in the power and presence and shadow of the Almighty. And the God who calmed the storms and raised up dead man to life and multiplied the fishes and the loaves to feed thousands is still the same God we have today. My friends, we sing a song today called Same God. And in that song, we talk about what God has done and what he was about and what he did. But I just wonder, even as we sing that song, and we could talk about this, this same God who is so powerful and so mighty. But I just wonder this morning that when we leave the four walls of the church, after singing those verses and those songs, and even hearing a message like this, does the power of God make a difference in your life? And do you rely upon how powerful our God is? Listen, God's power is the power that simply spoke creation into being. God's power is the power that split the sea for the children of Israel to walk through it. God's power is the power that made the sun stand still. God's power is the power that raised the dead. God's power is the power that establishes rulers and nations and brings them down. God's power is the power that raised his son from the dead. And listen, God's power is the power that raised you spiritually from the dead and will physically one day. The Bible says that the power of God is living inside of you right now if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.19 says, And his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. My friends, the power of God is living inside of you. And please understand that that power of God is immeasurable. You can't put measurements on the power of God. God can do anything in all things. And so may we, when we think about what God can do, and we're going to look at that more in a moment, please understand that there are no measurements or limits on the power of God for us. Next, you cannot measure out the mercy of God. You know, when we look at the mercy of God, if you have been in church for a little while, you probably could say what the mercy of God means. What does God's mercy mean? The mercy of God defined means this, God not giving us what we deserve because of our sins. You know, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, And we deserve death. We deserve eternal separation away from God forever. But that's where God's mercy kicks in. 
God, because of the mercy given to us through his son, Jesus Christ, he is not going to give us what we deserve. We deserve hell, but we're going to get heaven, right? We deserve separation, but we have been brought near to the Lord because of his mercy. But you know, there are some people in life, some believers, and it may be you here this morning, that you believe that you have exhausted the mercy of God because of your mess-ups, mistakes, failures, and sins, and you feel like you are at that limit of God's love. But my friends, can I tell you this morning, you are not. Here's a great verse of Scripture Two verses of scripture about the mercy of God. First Peter 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Psalm 103 verses 8 and 10 The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. The mercy of God is incredible. And please understand this morning that you and I will never uh, reach a limit to where the mercy of God is going to end because our God gives us new mercies every day. Amen? Listen, God, once you come into a right relationship with the Lord, he's never going to bring back upon you what you deserved at first. That's all gone. By the way, Lamentations chapter 3, 22 through 24 says these powerful words. But because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions and mercies, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know about for you, but for me, I like that clean slate every morning. So that when I get up, that his mercies and his compassions, they never fail. They're brand new. So listen, you are never going to exhaust the mercy of God. And God never in return is going to give you what you deserved at first. You've passed from that. According to Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Listen, you pass out of all that. You have mercy, and the mercy of God is immeasurable. You're never going to exhaust it. Next, you can't measure out the peace of God. I believe that one very important immeasurable of the Lord that he gives to his people is that of his his peace. When we come into a right relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ, we are given a relational peace with God. You know, the Bible says before we are in this uh, relationship with God that we are enemies of God. We have enmity between God and us. There is no peace. There is no right relationship. But the Bible says in the book of Romans and in Colossians 1 that because of the work of Christ and when we believe in Jesus, we enter into this peace, this, this relational peace with God. And what a peace that is. That's an incredible, incredible peace that we receive from God. But as well, when we go throughout this journey of life, there's a peace that God gives us that uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, that is a peace that passes all understanding or transcends all understanding. And this is in Philippians 4, 7, and this is what Paul says. And he says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace that God gives when we need it, there's nothing like that peace, is it? That when you are struggling and you're going through a trial or a a tribulation and just a very difficult time and all of a sudden the peace of God comes on you, you can't explain that, but you know when you have it. Amen? 
The peace of God that he gives us, you just can't measure that out. You know, I do some chaplaincy work in a local hospital. And there are a lot of times when I have the opportunity to go into the hospital room and see patients. And no matter what they are dealing with or facing, and some are facing, uh, facing death, a very hard, difficult healthcare challenge. And then some are there just facing um, just other difficulties in their health care. But there are a lot of times when we walk into a hospital room and you can see the look at the face of that patient and you can just really tell that there's no peace there and that they're struggling. And the Lord opens up a lot of times these opportunities to talk with that patient about the peace of God because they're asking for it. Basically, chaplain, how can I have peace? I'm facing this health care struggle or some are facing a very possible death. And in that, they're trying to search for peace. And my friends, can I tell you as we share with them that you're not going to find the peace of God in a bottle, a pill, an alcohol, or anything else of this world. The peace that God gives only comes from Him. And so if you want the peace of God relationally, you better accept Jesus Christ into your life. And if you want to have that peace that God gives us circumstantially as we go throughout life, um, you better have that right relationship with him. Because that peace that God is going to give you when you're in it, there ain't nothing like it, right? You just want to stay right there in that peace. Because the peace of God, it transcends all understanding, Paul says. You could try to grab a hold of it, but no, you just need to sit in it and enjoy that peace while it's there. You cannot measure out the peace of the Lord, but you know when you have it. And then next, and this is really where I want to spend a few moments, and I, I call this point uh, three, by di- three different things. One, you cannot, measure, you cannot measure out what God can do, or my God is able, or but God. And here's what I mean by that. I believe that Paul in this prayer for the Ephesians is describing our immeasurable God and what he can do. Paul in Ephesians 3.20, if you will look at that verse for just a moment, I find this verse so incredible of how Paul prays and how he describes God. And in Ephesians 3.20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his great power. Please understand that, that Paul is describing our God in a way that he cannot be measured out and what he can do. The word able that uh, Paul uses here is in the present tense, emphasizing that God is continually able to move on your behalf. Paul says that God can do even more than we can even ask, think, or imagine. Listen, God can do even more than our wildest imaginations can come up with. One writer said, it's another thing to go beyond what they ask you to do, but it's something else to go infinitely beyond what they ask you to do. God's ability is off the chart. It can't be measured. It's so great it cannot even be imagined. This verse teaches us that the exceeding, abundant, immeasurable, infinite ableness of God. There are no limits about what God can do. We cannot even imagine what he can do. His power is so great that we don't even know what we don't know because our God is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Listen, this morning, do you understand that your God is able? This God that we say that we believe in the Bible so much and that we come proclaim and preach about and sing about, do you really understand that your God is able? You see, the Bible says that our God is El Shaddai, God Almighty. 
Our Bible says that our God is Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees a need and will see to meeting that need. Do you know that your God is able? Listen, your God is able to provide and your God is able to deliver. Your God is able to see you through. Your God is able to keep you. Listen, your God is able to do that miracle that you're longing for and asking about because there's nothing too hard for your God. Your God is able to part the sea and your God is able to provide the manna from heaven. Your God is able to make a way even when you don't see a way. It's okay. He's really good at that because you cannot measure out what God can do. But listen, let me ask this question. Why do we put limits and measurements on God as if he can be measured? Why do we want to confine God into these limited spaces and measured areas or staying within the coloring lines of life when we have a God who can do exceedingly more? You know, we try to limit God, I think, a lot of times. And we want to try to contain God. And I think that as Baptists, we can try to do that really good because we get so used to our traditions and ways that we do things, and we like our little spiritual lazy boy uh, sitting in it, that if we let God really do what God wants to do at times, it's just going to freak us out. But can I tell you this morning that we believe in a God who is able to do immeasurably more? Does our lives reflect it? Does your life reflect that God is able? Does your praying reflect that God is able? Does your faith reflect that God is able? Does even our speech reflect that God is able? You think about those things as we go throughout life. Does our lives reflect that my God is able? You see, Paul penned these words 2,000 years ago about this God who is able to do immeasurably more. And because God cannot change and because God cannot lie, then the truth that Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago, this truth is still the same. God can do immeasurably more in your life. God can do immeasurably more in your relationships. God can do immeasurably more in our families. And listen, God can do immeasurably more in our church. Next week, next Sunday, we start VBS. We're praying for 100 kids for VBS. We have 50 here on Wednesday nights, uh, did for our one a year. And my prayer is for VBS is that God would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, and that this sanctuary would be filled with boys and girls who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, boys and girls who need to hear the truth of Scripture, boys and girls that need to feel loved and know that Jesus changes the game of life. We're praying for God to do immeasurably more next Sunday. Would you join with us in that prayer but as well, could God do immeasurably more in what, than what he's doing right now in our church? He can, right? Because he's able. So I wonder at times for all of us, do we limit God doing even more because of our lack of faith? Remember when Jesus went home to Nazareth and there was only a, he was only able to do a few miracles because of their lack of faith? I wonder if that's us sometimes because we truly don't trust God like we say we do. You know, do we really walk out Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do we really believe that, though, when the rubber meets the road and we're out in the, in the journey of life, do we really believe that our God is able and that he will provide and come through for us like he says he will? I hope that we do. If not, we're going to get there. 
And for just a moment, though, let me say something in regards to measurements. And I, I take this personally to Christians. I believe it is time that for us as Christians to stop measuring ourselves by the wrong measurements. And here's what I mean by that. We need to stop measuring ourselves by the world's standards and start to measure ourselves by the Word of God and His truths. My, my friends, listen, there are a lot of times where we, as believers, we are going to measure ourselves by what this world says. And the opinions of the world and the viewpoint of the world, instead of holding up Holy Scripture and see what it says and say, I'm going to measure myself up by what you say, by what, by what God says, because that's ultimately important. May we stop measuring ourselves by what this world says and measure ourselves by the Word of God. Also, we need to stop measuring ourselves by our sins and start measuring ourselves by grace and forgiveness. Here's what happens a lot. When we sin and when we mess up, we, we stay in that place a lot of times. And we begin to measure ourselves by our defeats and by our sins and mess-ups, mistakes and failures. But instead, God's saying, I've given you grace and forgiveness, and you haven't exhausted that, so come home to that. So stop measuring ourselves by our sins, and start measuring yourselves by what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary's cross. He was buried, then as we sang earlier, on the third day, he was alive. We measure ourselves to that, not what we've done, because what we've done has been forgiven. That's in the past. The Bible says you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Measure yourself right there. Listen, I ain't preaching a long time, man. This is awesome. Y'all might as well cancel lunch plans, man. It's been a while. We need to stop measuring ourselves. And somebody needs to hear me on this. We need to stop measuring ourselves by the lies of the devil and start measuring ourselves by the truth of God that sets us free. Some of you this morning, very possibly, are being held in chains because of the condemnation of the devil because of the lies of the devil, because of that slithery serpent that's, that comes into our lives all the time and speaks those lies and those, those condemnation, and all of a sudden you believe it. Instead of like in 2 Corinthians 10 where Paul says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, we don't take that thought and make it obedient to Christ, then all of a sudden we're enslaved and we're in chains. And we're measuring ourselves by what the devil has said instead of the truth of God that sets us free. My friends, can I encourage you with something this morning? Right here is where we run to, and we are set free by the truth of God's Word. It is powerful, it is living, and it is active, and we need to get right here and stop measuring ourselves by what this world says, by what the devil says. And listen, can I tell you this this morning? Stop measuring yourself by what other people say. And here's what I'm going to say by this. When God first called me into the ministry... I was 16 years old when I felt the call of ministry on my life. And then when I was 19 years old, God began to open up my first ministry opportunity as a youth pastor here uh, in Lakeland. And one day I went to a um, ministry friend of mine and I said, hey, I, you know, I told you that I felt like God called me into the ministry and as a church is looking at me and they want me to come be their youth pastor. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you're never going to make it at that church, and you're not going to make it in the ministry. And I said, well, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. All right. <laughs> and if I could find him today, I'm going to tell him, almost 25 years later, I'm still kicking, because I didn't believe in him. 
And I wasn't going to allow him to project that over my life. Because sometimes people will try to say something over you and project something over you. That's not what my God has said and what the Bible has said. I can tell you for certain people will say in circumstances, trials, and tribulations that you will walk through that they will try to project something on you that is not of God. And I've had to tell people even recently that if you ain't going to project something on me that lines up with Scripture or that I can really reconcile with my God, I don't want to listen to that. Because you ain't going to project on me. And I'm not going to measure myself by what you say because I know what God has said. And my friends, listen, when we believe what God has said about our lives, either from his word or through the Holy Spirit, um, when we land there, you're measuring yourselves by the best measurements ever. And that is by a God who loves you and cares for you and has the best plan for you. Always land there. Amen? Land there. So here's, here's my thing. For the last couple of weeks, I've been, and I knew this coming into this week, that I wanted to have a, a but God moment. Because I, I've heard this phrase like five or six times the last couple of weeks, and from different areas and different people. Sometimes we need those but God moments. When you're at the end of your road and you don't know what to do, but God, he comes through. When you feel like God doesn't love you anymore and you've exhausted everything that God has provided for you, but God is going to keep getting bigger. Right? When you think that there's a way that there's no way that you're going to make it through this scenario or situation because you're like, where are the provisions going to come through from? But God. Don't ever forget that part of the equation. But God. Because our God is able. And so let me read a couple things on this. But God, my God is a God who is good at resurrection. My God is not done. My God is good at bringing beauty from ashes. My God is faithful. My God is the God who honors his promises. My God is the one who we should all be standing on every single day of our lives. And my God is a God who's continually working on behalf of his children. Amen? Because you and I are continuing works of God according to Philippians 1.6. And so listen, don't you ever give up thinking that God is not going to come through for you. Because uh, he's promised in his word and he will always keep his word and do what he has said. So don't you ever believe the lies of the devil that nobody cares for you, nobody loves you, and there's not going to be a way made. Because our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so we walk that out on a daily basis and we hold true to the truths of God and we allow that to set us free by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so I pray this morning that that sets with you somewhere because somebody in here, surely as you walked in this morning, you barely got here and you're thinking, God doesn't love me. I'm just going to sit in the corner or in the middle, wherever you're at. And I'm just going to be, at least I got here. I'm just here. But for some of you, you need to realize that God loves you. That's never changed. You could be in the gutter of life, and the love of God is right there with you. For some of you, you could probably you may feel like you've exhausted that mercy. It was new when you got up this morning. That peace of God that surpasses all understanding, transcends all understanding, you can sit in that right now as He gives that to you. And may we rely on the incredible power of God that incredibly can come at any moment. And change a whole situation. Amen? And then we need to walk out of here this morning believing 
that our God is able. And listen, when you are faced tomorrow morning having to get up for work and you don't want to get up for work, you better say, my God's able. Get these bones moving. Go. You face that coworker that you're like, man, on a Monday morning, I got to deal with them. Your God is able. You get that health scare and diagnosis. You better believe your God is able. You don't know where your next bill is going to be, how it's going to be paid. You say, my God is able. My God can do it. And when we land there as this prayer for Paul to the Christians there in, in uh, church in Ephesus, we're relying on something that um, is unshakable and unchangeable. Amen? Let's stand together, please. And as we go into this time of invitation and reflection, my prayer and encouragement for you this morning is that do you know that God really loves you and cares for you and his agape love is so incredible for you this morning? If not, please hear me. God loves you right where you're at. If you've never accepted the love of God in your life expressed through Jesus Christ, let today be the day where you say yes to Jesus. Because when you say yes to him, he's going to change your life forever, for all eternity. Would you do that today? Maybe for some of you, you came in here and you have no peace. But you're walking through a situation where you need it. Would you allow us to pray with you this morning about that? We're going to have some people down front. We'd love to pray for you about anything you may be walking through. Maybe for you this morning, you're facing those Red Sea moments where you just, you don't, you don't know how it's going to happen and take place. Would you rest in the fact that your God is able and he can do it? For some, you may want to come down and pray at the altar this morning. It's a great place to be alone with God. You can talk with him for a little bit. You can do that at your seat. We don't want you to miss having an encounter with God in a moment to be able to say yes to him, to pray, to release some burdens that you may have on your life. We want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So as Jeff begins to sing in just a moment, would you follow the Lord's leading this morning on whatever that looks like? Heavenly Father.